how it lights my path, how it guides my way. And you open your Bibles to Luke chapter four, verses Luke chapter eight, verses four to fifteen. Is that what you got there? Great. When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow seed and and as he sowed, some fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate ate it up. Others fell on rocky soil and as as it grew up, it withered away. Because it had no moisture, others fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Others fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop of a hundred times a hundred. Uh, oh, sorry, produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. When he said, to you, it has been been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time a temptation fell away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and they go on their way. They are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Morning, everyone. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, It's a lovely passage, very familiar to some of us, a passage often used with children and children's talks, and uh, so we have to kind of allow ourselves, those of us who are a bit like that, uh, to just come and remember how important and impacting these words are. They are not just um, words that give a lot of opportunity for craft activities with children, Um, they are powerful words of Jesus, and we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at them together. So first of all, um, I'm just going to dive right in. If you look at that first verse there, verse 4, we see that there's a large crowd who are coming together. They're coming from various cities and they're journeying together. And it's mentioned, that is mentioned for a reason, because what we're meant to understand is that people at this point are coming far and wide to see Jesus. They're coming to hear from him. The crowds are coming. Many, many people are coming from a long way away to gather to Jesus. And in that context, he shares this parable. 
in that context of people traveling from distances, he shares this parable. And I'd like us to start possibly where the Lord wanted to start was what this parable speaks to us of the bigger picture. And then we're going to think about Jesus talking to his disciples, what it actually means for our lives, how it impacts us, and to think about how these two things come together. You see, they were looking, the people of Israel were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the answer. You all know this. We often talk about this at Christmas, the surprise of of the answer being a baby and the surprise that this is what it looks like, the Messiah has come. It doesn't look like they expect. And here again, we have to understand what Jesus is saying is surprising, confusing, unexpected because if he's the Messiah they are going to be a roaring forward into a place of victory finally everything is going to be answered all's going to be resolved they're looking for the driving message that's going to rally the troops and we're going to go forward from all the oppression we've been under and Jesus seems to share a story which has a great amount of failure in it (laughs) It looks like even the majority of what he's doing doesn't seem to produce a harvest. And it would have been incredibly concerning and puzzling. You can imagine the disciples listening. Maybe one of the reasons they wanted an explanation because they're thinking, surely, Jesus, you're not really, you've got this story wrong. (laughs) Do you want another opportunity to say it again? Do you want another opportunity to explain how your kingdom is going to work? How your kingdom is going to come? Because you're really setting the bar very, very low. This is not what we were expecting. We were expecting something that was going to really take us into a whole other level of success. And we're all going to be in the kind of reflected glow of this um, immense success that we were looking for. You can imagine they were concerned and they wanted to ask what on earth is going on. Now we're given a story about a sower, someone who comes to sow and he's sowing liberally. So he's sowing seed liberally on all kinds of soil, the the seed is going out. We're getting a picture of Jesus' ministry. He is not keeping it um, in himself to just give to the one or two. He is going out liberally sharing who he is, what the kingdom is, what he's come to do. He is willing to share it with anybody. And don't we know that? We know that throughout the New Testament. There are all kinds of people, unexpected and expected rulers and right down to others um, who are less considered in society. He is sowing, he is sharing his life, he is teaching, it's being spread liberally. And some will not, may not receive the word. And some may not be fruitful. Others might be fruitful. But it is not going to be one type of person that is going to be able to receive the message and see the harvest. It could be a variety of people. How is it going to happen? It's not just going to happen through our race then. Is it not just going to happen through those who've got the same background? What this sower is sowing liberally on into all kinds of lives. How is this message going to go forward? How are, in our language, the ends of the earth? How are people going to hear? How are people going to know? It's not just going to go through one kind of person then. It's going to go to all types of people. And what we're being told by Jesus is there is something else that is going to determine the message of the kingdom going out. And it's something that is quite deep 
and something that is always, not always seen. What is going to determine it is what is going on on the inside of the person who receives it. That will determine the, what goes out. That will determine the kingdom message going out. In fact, if we're willing to realise it afresh this morning, Jesus at this early stage is talking about wanting to have a partnership, a relationship with human beings that is very real and deep. He's not just looking for a few robotic people who will kind of speak out a mantra or kind of words or language. Already, right at the beginning, Jesus is saying, I want to work with human beings. It's people I'm interested in. But what determines it is not your race or your economic background or your academic ability or your advantage in life. What determines it is what's going on in, your, in the heart, in your human heart, in the inner life. Your willingness to listen and to receive. And so in a way, this is a story of wasted seed. This is a story of seed not producing what it could have produced. You see, the, the seed is the same wherever it is sown. It's not a different seed, one seed for one kind of person, one seed for another. It's the same seed, but it's what's in the human heart that will respond and listen in the language here, will hear and respond to the word that is given. It's quite profound. It's quite deep. And no wonder we have these verses in the middle there, verse 9 and 10, where Jesus starts to say to them, you have been granted the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And they would think, this is a bit mysterious. I don't really know what you're meaning, Jesus. I think you've got the message wrong. Think you've got the wrong story. This is totally unexpected. But this is our God. He is the God who wanting to reveal mysteries. He's wanting to reveal what is in the heart of God. He's wanting to reveal what his kingdom looks like. And he's expecting and recognising not everybody wants to know that message. There are many people who may think they want to know the truth. But really we want answers to our life on these levels. A, B, C, D. I want this, this, this from Jesus. And our God is generous and he loves to meet our needs. And so often that is how we, we encounter him. But what he is interested in is, are you interested in the mysteries? Are you interested in the secrets that are going on in the heart of God? Are you interested in what he is wanting to do on the earth? Are you interested? Have you got any spark to know what his thoughts are, what his wisdom is? Because he wants to share it with us. You see, it's something so much deeper, so much more profound than how often we come to him in a superficial way. And so we are challenged as we're going to go quickly through this parable this morning. We're challenged by what the kingdom is. We're challenged by how the kingdom is going to go forward. We're challenged by the risk that our God takes to share the most profound pearls and throw them out to be trampled underfoot if people choose. To be rejected if people choose. But the heart of God is the same for all mankind. The message, the truth of Jesus goes out to every single person. And if we'll hear it, we will get 
consumed by this incredible message, this incredible truth of Jesus. And maybe we'll start to hear the calling on our lives to go to the whole world, to go to every kind of person, to go to every situation we can, to share this seed like he shared it liberally, willing to accept there may be some who trample it underfoot. There may be others who seem to receive it and then it doesn't seem to last just like our Lord experienced. But we carry that heart of God, of generosity, of sharing, of not holding back and thinking, "Mm, only going to give it to my kind of person. No, no, the gospel challenges us to a different kind of Jesus, a different kind of Messiah, who really is encouraging us to say, do you want to understand what's in my heart? Do you want to understand what the truth is? Come to me, listen to me. I want to share it with you. It's really the root of all good relationships, isn't it? That we actually are interested in the other person. We want to hear, we want to understand. It's what love is. And how much more when we discover that the creator of this universe, how is the kingdom going to come? It comes through people who want to understand, who want to listen who want to know what the truth is, who want to let it in. It's incredible to realise this is what Jesus is bringing out at the beginning of his ministry. I have, um, did a, a women's conference last weekend in Torquay, of all places. And um, we were looking at Daniel throughout the weekend. And uh, one of the things that just struck me again about Daniel was that Daniel didn't say about himself, oh, you know, I've got these incredible gifts of kind of, I understand all the mysteries and all the things that are going on in the world and in kings' lives and kingdoms. He never says it about himself, but everyone else says it about him. And then they start to say it about his God. There is a God who is the revealer of mysteries. And there's one who knows the mysteries, who knows that God, and it's Daniel. And we see even in the Old Testament, we're being introduced to a relationship with a God who is wanting to reveal what is truly at the heart of the problems in our society, truly at the heart of human beings, of lives, who understands, who in him is all wisdom and all knowledge and all truth. It's in him. And we are being invited into a relationship with him. He's willing to share it with us, even at great cost, even to see it trampled down by people, to know that there are some. Some that want to listen, some that want to hear, some that want to go forward with him. This is how he relates to us. So let's just look at these different examples we have in verse 5 and then verse 12. So we've got the actual verse, the actual verse from the parable that was shared to the crowd. And then we've also got the verse where Jesus interprets what it means. And so in verse 5, the sower we know went out to sow his seed, sowed it, some fell beside the road, it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the sky ate it up. So this seed, the potential is not realised. You know, with all seed, it's not everything. In one way, it is everything in that moment, but we don't see it as everything till it's planted, until it produces. And then we're like, my goodness, what came from that small seed? That's incredible. The potential within it is destroyed. It's not realised. It's not received. And that word trampled underfoot can mean spurned. So it's, it's being rejected. It's not just that it's passively lying somewhere. It's, no, I don't want that. 
um, and push it away. I'm not interested or refusing of that word. And Jesus' explanation tells us, gives us another angle to it. He seems to show us that when that happens, the devil comes along, those picture of those birds, and it comes along, the forces of this world, um, the enemy's forces in this world, steal the word. So I want to suggest to us where there is a hardness of heart, the enemy loves to operate. That's where we often find him. Where there is a rejection, a stubbornness, a turning away, not wanting to know it, the enemy loves to be occupying that place, loves to steal, loves to say, yeah, I love that. That's where you'll find him. It's where you'll find those birds where the seed is not planted where you'll find the enemy's activity, where there's hardness of heart. It's why right at the core, the deep challenge to us who want to follow Jesus, it's why we've got to guard our hearts, the the Psalms tell us, because it's from there is the wellspring of life. If hardness gets into the heart, it's the place where the enemy loves to come and steal things from us and contest our lives and our futures. So we want to be careful to keep pride and hardness out of our heart. We want to recognise that when we're receiving from Jesus, when we're receiving his words, it's not simply to analyse it and to take it apart. God gave us brains, it's great to use them. But he gave us his word to receive it, to meditate on it, to think on it, to respond to it, to talk to him about it, to interact with him about what he's saying to us. That actually it will not just rest on the surface of our life in an analytical way where we just can receive it or reject it. The first challenge to how we receive. The second one we have in verse 6 and 13 Verse 6, other seed fell on rocky soil and when it came up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And we're challenged that there's a way that we can respond to what the Lord is bringing to us in our lives, which is very shallow, which doesn't go deeper looking for water itself. And we're told that it's the, the description from Jesus of this in verse 13. It's those who receive the word with joy, but there's no fruit, firm root. And when temptation comes, they fall away. So we're given a picture of people who receive something with a lot of emotion, with a lot of excitement, a lot of feelings. Maybe describe someone living totally out of your feelings alone. And we receive it and everything looks positive. But as soon as there is pressure or difficulty, it falls away because we've not got deeper than the emotion. We've not allowed what we've received to go deeper into our our spirit, into our heart, into our mind. We've not thought on it. We've not engaged with it in any prayerful way. Because we're given a picture, aren't we, that we are meant to be drawing from um, underground streams of the spirit, like pictures of water in the Bible. And if something stays at the surface, we are, the water might come from the world and just wash that seed away if it stays at a surface level. But we're called to get that seed deep because then the water from the underground streams of God's spirit. And when we pray and when we engage with God's word and his, his, who he is in a deeper way, we start to find that life is coming. The spirit of God is flowing like water in those deeper places. And so it's a picture of and a challenge for us that experience is not everything. Experience can be great. There's nothing wrong with having great joy and excitement. There should be when we find Jesus, when we find the message of the kingdom. But it needs to go deeper. 
We need to engage, let that seed go deeper into our lives. So it's a challenge for those of us who tend to have a tendency to live at an emotional level only. Nothing wrong with emotion. Don't hear me wrong, but it's only at that level. We are in a dangerous place. We can lose the beautiful, precious things that God is wanting to plant into our lives. The third thing for us to think about, verse 7 and verse 14, as the seed that fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up with it and were choked by it. Thorns, we know, don't we? They represent, Jesus told us, the cares, the riches, the pleasures of life. It's that idea of something being planted and being totally surrounded by something else, being overwhelmed, being consumed by what's around us. And Jesus elaborated um, on this kind of problem that human beings that we have when we are trying to follow him. Let me just remind you of some words that Jesus spoke, Matthew 6, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you by worrying can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the fields grow. They do not labour, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what are we to eat? What are we to drink? What are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this word chokes there, it has the idea in it of being crowded upon. The seed comes in, but all of a sudden it's crowded upon. There's no room for it to mature. There's no room for it to grow. Um, that It starts well, but it can't finish. It gets overwhelmed, overcrowded by worries and the realities of the world. And it describes for us so vividly a picture that many of us are aware of. That some of us, we are so aware of the patterns that we are in, in the world around us. The patterns of worry, the patterns of anxiety, the patterns of focusing on all the things that others around us are focusing on. And we wonder why, why am I not more fruitful, Lord? Why am I not hearing your voice? You did speak, but what happened to that word that you spoke to me? What happened to the excitement I had for you uh, a while ago? What happened past that moment when I gave my life to you? What has been going on in my relationship with you? And Jesus doesn't kind of tell us something that just makes us feel a bit better. (laughs) He tells us the truth. Because if we're interested in him, then we need to be interested in receiving the truth. And he speaks the truth to us that, you know what? You've got some things that are just continually crowding in. If there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed was from me. I sowed it into your life. The issue was that you had the seed, but you also kept the thorns. 
You kept those things in your life. You didn't deal with those things ruthlessly. You didn't let the seed grow and overpower. It didn't have room where you discovered actually he is your provider. You just imagine, well, someone tells me he's providing, he is my provider, but I've never experienced it. And the Lord says, because you're allowing things to keep choking it. Put your confidence in me. Let that word be precious in your life. Let it be everything in your life. Give it room to grow and see how wonderful it is to cut out the thorns, to get them pulled out in Jesus' name. The the preoccupation with money and success, the preoccupation with what everyone else thinks about me, the preoccupation with anxieties and fears about the future. Let's allow him to cut it out in Jesus' name. Why? So Lord, there might be more room for that seed to grow. That I could be a person that can trust you with everything that you can show me how to live that way. I want to be included in this uh, last section. I want to be included in the verse 8 and 15 people where the seed is in the good soil, verse 15. And the ones who hear the word with a good, and the version I was reading says, virtuous or worthy heart, hold it firmly and produce fruit with perseverance. You know, this seed, like verse 6, it sprung up, it grew But this time, the potential is realised. This time, it's not just a kind of quick thing that disappears after a few months or a few years. This time, it's the real thing that's given room to grow. And the full potential is realised of a life trusting in God, of a life putting Jesus first, of a life relying on him for everything. Like we hear of the kingdom, that it's worth selling everything to go and find the kingdom in the parables, that we can live a life like that. Jesus loves us so much, he speaks the truth to us. He doesn't want to just leave us as we are. And you know, I wonder what we understand by a good and worthy heart, that this is the soil that's going to produce the fruitful life. I wonder if it describes for us a life where selfishness and the self-life has been uprooted. Where we are continually pulling out the things that want to make us look great, us look successful, make all the world revolve around me, all the things that worry me, all the things that make everything about me, that I am uprooting them in Jesus' name because of him. I'm clearing out the ground of my life. That daily habit of keeping no record of wrongs, of forgiving others. I'm concerned to live the right way before God. And as I'm doing it, the ground is getting cleared out. A worthy heart, a heart that looks like the heart of Jesus. Time is taken, care is taken. And then we're told, if we've got a worthy heart, a clean soil in our lives, then we are to those that hold it firmly, the seed that's been planted, it says there in verse 15. We're to keep hold fast of it. We are to take possession of it. It is a clear decision. This seed is more important than anything else. Anything else. I am grabbing hold of it. You're not getting that out of my hand. It is an energy and a passion about the kingdom message of Jesus and who he is that I will not be separated from. And it comes in the face of those thorns that so often we just keep them around. 
And sometimes we're trying to grip hold of those and we wonder why we're so in so much pain and damage in our lives. And the Lord says, that's what you need to cut out. What you need to hold fast to is the seed that is planted in you. Let hold, get, get a grip on that. Keep hold of it. And then with perseverance, that's with a patient endurance, holding on to it, meditating on it, letting it deepen into us, we start to discover it produces fruit. This temporary life, this shallow life, this hard life, hard-hearted life, life full of thorns, is totally replaced with a life where I am using my energies to lay hold of Jesus. I'm not letting him go. That is where my energies are focused. And from there we see we become kingdom people bearing fruit. Our focus, our inner decision, our grip is so important. What are we gripping onto the most in our life? What are we gripping onto, a fear of losing it? Do we put Jesus in that category? Or are we happy for him just somehow to float around our life and land every now and again? We have a good experience. Or actually, compare it to other things in your life. Is our grip of Jesus stronger? Our grip, our desire for him, is it going deeper? So I just want to encourage us to respond this morning. Very simply, with these encouragements and challenges. Are we listening to Jesus? That's about it, really. (laughs) Are we listening to Jesus? Say it to myself. Am I listening to Jesus? Is his word the most precious thing? Is who he is what I'm gripping hold of? Is it going deeper? Is it taking root? Am I clearing out the self-life? Are there things that need digging out today? Are there things I'm focusing on that just need clearing out so that I can see fruit in my life? Do I recognise any hardness in my own heart? Are there any patterns of that have, I've got caught into that just keep crowding in. I just feel like I get somewhere with Jesus and then something crowds in. A fear, a worry. The Lord wants to speak to us today and, and move in our lives. He also wants to let us know afresh that he is the wisdom of God. There is wisdom There is knowledge, there is understanding and it exists in Jesus Christ. We can come to him with the mysterious things, with the things we don't know, with the things we don't understand. He is the revealer of mysteries. That is who he is. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus. Lord, we often use that verse that says, your ways are not my ways. And Lord, we see again and again, when it comes to your kingdom message, Lord, your ways are not our ways. Lord, I want to pray for us as a body of people. Lord, I want to pray for this congregation as they meet on Wednesdays. 
that Lord, there would be a hunger growing increasingly in our hearts to hear your voice, to know what really matters, to have confidence and a grip of the right things in our lives. Lord, I pray for those of us where anxiety is the grip, that we are anxiously gripping onto things because we are anxious and afraid today. And it's like a thorn in our lives. I want to pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you just walk amongst us and cut that out, Lord? We want to give you permission to uproot it. We ask you forgive us, Lord, for the thorns that we allow to grow, to fill our lives. They are not there for our good. There's no fruit on that plant. There are just thorns. Lord, give us a clearer revelation of the things to uproot in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we just want to pray. Fill our hearts, Lord, with a vision of a life that is fruitful with you, a life that hears your voice. Lord, for some of us, help us to talk less and listen more. Lord, to listen to you more, to have a grip of those words that you've spoken into our lives, to have a grip of the power of the gospel and who you are, Lord Jesus. Let it go deeper than ever before, I pray. Lord, let our lives be fruitful in prayer. Let them be fruitful in love. Let them be fruitful. Let us, like you, reflect your character of generosity. Lord, that we might be willing to sow the truth of Jesus wherever, Lord, wherever we find people. Lord, I pray for anything that sought to divide us from other kinds of people to us. Would you bring those walls down in Jesus' name? Lord, give us your heart for all people, all mankind. Lord, even in the face of rejection, Lord, if people reject your word, Lord, help us to remember that you walk this way first. Help us to get the good news out that there is a kingdom not of this world, And there is a kingdom from heaven and it's come. And we find it in you, Jesus. We find it in your purposes. Lord, turn over the soil of our life today by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to see you and follow you with more focus and more determination than ever before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living